approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Dynasty Coaches Podcast. I am your host, as always, Coach Dylan, along with Coach Charlie. Um, Coach Nick's not going to be here today. Uh, he's got some stuff going on, so it's just going to be me and Charlie. Uh, we'll still have a good show for you, though. We've got a couple things to cover in the news, and then we're going to look at the players that sort of broke out last year and see if they're sustainable or not. And then uh, at the end, we're going to do our trade segment the what the hell were you thinking or whatever whatever we were going to call it there um <laughs> but uh that seems to be our favorite our favorite uh segment here so we're gonna try doing that every week but uh let's go ahead and get into it here our first segment our first uh, news and notes here um arthur smith atlanta falcons head coach said desmond ritter is light years ahead of other rookie qbs at this point in his career um is this is a coach talking to a player in the offseason, or I mean, can can Ritter possibly start Week One over Marcus Mariota? I don't think Ritter's going to start Week One. I think we're kind of going to see like a classic situation here where the vet comes in and starts Week One. But the way Smith is talking, and if Mariota struggles, which is you know a possibility, we can see Desmond Ritter step into the starting role. Uh, sooner rather than later for you know a Falcons team that's not exactly going to have much to play, play for this year because that is a you know bottom of the bottom of the barrel type roster with only a, you know a few solidified players who you know are going to stick around long term. Yeah, do you think either one of them could have? I mean, I want to say top twelve because another one, neither one of them are going to sniff the top twelve. But uh, I mean, high QB two upside, maybe. Potentially Mariota, I think, with his rushing outside because he is a he's an athletic guy. He can run with the football. We saw him do it, you know, in his time with Tennessee and Vegas. So we know he can bring that to the table. It's just a matter of whether or not he can, you know, have a little bit of consistency in the passing game. We know they're going to throw the ball. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. He's got talent now at the pass catching position with um, who's obviously still got Cordero Patterson, but he, you know he's got Drake London now with Kyle Pitts. I think they had brought in Brian Edwards, too, so it's not like he doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. So It could happen. Uh, whether that happens, whether it actually does, you know, I'm a little more skeptical, but the potential is there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because, I mean, we know we kind of know what we have in Marcus Mariota. We don't have a clue what we have in, uh, in Desmond Ritter. So it'll be interesting that if Ritter does get a chance at some point this year, I mean, he really only had one great season at Cincinnati. So, I mean, is it a – was he a one-hit one wonder or did something finally click for him? But uh, I think – I think Mariota is probably the better QB this year. Um, I think the Falcons definitely need to take a um, Patrick Mahomes-type approach to uh, Desmond Ritter, let him sit a year, learn, and then – Next year, if you see enough, let him take over. So here's your here's question, then. If the Falcons are bad enough where they have a top five pick, would they still get one of the, you know, upper echelon, echelon QBs in next year's draft, like a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud, despite having, you know, spent a relatively early pick on Desmond Ritter? That's the, that's the thing, is... <sighs> I, I almost I said I said that previous statement, but I almost think that they have to give Ritter a chance to see what they have because if they don't think Ritter is going to be their QB of the future, right? I mean, they're like you said, they're going to finish probably top with the top three pick. So that year. so that makes me think that Ritter's going to get time this year. Yeah, because they're going to want to see what he has. Because if they think Ritter's got you know some of those traits. And, you know, in a year or two can become a, a starter in the league. 
then they're going to they're gonna keep him around. Like he's putting that pick on another premium position. But if Ritter, you know, doesn't really show that much, he's going to be like, all right, well, we gave him a shot, but this is our chance to get a generational talent. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to get him out there. I take back my previous statement of sitting here. They don't have that kind of luxury if they're going to. Because um, really, I mean, there's not another team. I mean, you can say – you think Jaguars are going to challenge them, Houston? I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe them. Might maybe them. Houston, but I think Jacksonville takes a step up with Morris yeah, and Doug so. Peterson. Um, I mean, there are not a lot of other teams, you know, as bottom of the barrel as mm-hmm. the Falcons are. I don't think a lot. Maybe the Bears, but yeah, I don't think a lot of teams are focusing on that. So that's another. That's another team that is kind of in the same. Same situation of if they're bottom bottom of the league and have a top two draft pick, do they replace Justice Fields too? So they they sacrificed so much to get Justice Fields, I don't think they would do that again. Yeah, but wasn't it a different regime? You're not wrong, but so, this is only Justin Fields' second season, so I think again, this is yeah. gonna be a wait and see approach. Does Justin Fields show enough improvement that we feel comfortable with him under center again? You know, yeah, oh, yeah. The, way, the way it's gonna be. We also uh, got to remember there's going to be no protection under center for him either. They have no offensive line to speak of, and, he, and he's going to be throwing the ball to Darnell Mooney, yeah. Cole Command, and a bunch of rejects. Yeah, for sure. Oh, don't forget 25-year-old rookie, Velas Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go and move on here. Um, Traylon Burks is unavailable at rookie minicamp. He's having a lot of issues with his asthma. I mean, is this is this going to affect him this year? I mean, rookies missing rookie minicamp is not a good sign. I mean, uh, that's concerning. If he's missing it due to asthma, I mean, that's, you know, I wish him all the best, but that is an issue that could concern him on the playing yeah. field as well. You no. know, he, he's not going to be able to be out there for consistent snap after snap after snap, you know, if he has to, you know, go back and, you know, use an inhaler or catch a breath or whatever he has to do, you know, to try and help take care of that, you know, medical issue. So... The fact that he's been unavailable for training camp is a little concerning because he, you know, being a rookie, he kind of needs to get on the same page with the rest of his wide receivers and with his quarterback Ryan Tannehill. So the fact that he hasn't been there means he is a step behind from everyone else, and I mean that's just going to mean even more of a reliance on Robert Woods to begin the season for the Titans. Well, so Robert Woods can even be back because he's right from his from his there's, tournament. There's that, too. So that leaves you what Nick Westbrook Bikini? I mean, yeah, yeah. So, hopefully it's just an issue of, you know, he wasn't in the greatest shape coming in. And once he starts getting into football shape again, uh, he he kind of fixes it. So, that should do it for the news and notes here. So, um, let's go ahead and get into our next segment here, the uh, last year's kind of breakouts. So, we'll start at the QB position, Davis Mills. Um wasn't great, but he, he was probably, what, second-best rookie last year in uh, next to Mac Jones. So, uh, finished 29th and 4.27 to 6 point, but, again, he only started, like, 12 games or something like that. Um, they – I don't know if they're committing to him. Do you, do you think that they're committing to him full-time, or is this kind of a – Prove it year for them, because they're kind of in the same. Whoops, they're kind of getting the same situation as uh, um, Chicago and um, Atlanta. I think this is a prove it type uh, of season for Davis Mills. Um, the Texans spent you know first round capital on the offensive lineman getting King Green at pick thirteen. So you know they're giving him protection. He's got you know. His, uh, a couple weapons at least around him. You know, they drafted Damian Pierce. They still got Brandon Cook, so they're kind of telling him, let's see what you got this year. If you can repeat what you did at the end of last year, maybe we'll keep you around. You know, if not, we'll be happy to look in another direction because I'm sure they're going to have a top 10 pick again. You know, maybe even top five, depending on how the season goes. Because, you know, where Davis Mills goes, the Texans will follow. And if he can have a similar type season to last year where he kind of showed out a bit, he has several good passing games. Um the Texans might might be not as bad a team as you think. You know, not a playoff team, obviously, but a team that can be um, annoying to some of the more upper echelon 
echelon or whatever you pronounce that. I'm sorry. You know, those, <laughs> those other, you know, big name teams in the NFL where they can be like, Oh my God, is this, is this a trap game? Yeah, and, 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 you know, Steven's right in the comments. David Mills is yeah. underrated. I think he is underrated, you know, because the Texans are a team that obviously is not on really anyone's radar this year. So a quarterback like Davis Mills really doesn't get a lot of attention. Yeah. What What do you think he has to get to? I mean, is it is it 4,000 yards and 25-plus touchdowns, or is it seven, eight wins? What, what do you think – it is for them to keep them. So I think if he gets to like 3,500 plus passing yards, maybe throws for like 20 touchdowns, they, they, the key for me is going to be the, the turnovers, the touchdown to turnover ratio, what that ends up being. If he can, you know, protect the ball and not give it to the other team, if he has like a uh, 22, like six or seven, you know, touchdown to turnover ratio or somewhere along those lines, I think that's a pretty productive season considering he – he would throw the ball for a decent amount of yards, keep, basically keep his team in the game, put him on his back if he has to, and also not give the ball away. You know, those, those are traits that you're looking for in a franchise quarterback. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost thinking that he's going to have to put out more than that just because they are – they're not going to really have a running game with Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, and Damian Harris. So they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So I would expect probably closer to like a four, over four thousand, and I would I would guess anywhere between twenty five to thirty touchdowns um, passing. But I mean, they went out and they got John Mechie. They drafted Damian Pierce. Still have uh, potential sleeper tight end and Brevin Jordan, and then Randy Cook signed their their his big deal with them. So I think. It's hard with him because Davis Mills is a good quarterback. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback, though. Right. And like again, I can, him, I can see him as like a uh, Josh McCown type player or something like that, where he's he's good for the – as kind of a bridge quarterback, but not a whole lot else. Yeah. So, but good move on here. Jalen Hurts. Everybody's favorite quarterback in the league to to dog on because of his passing, I believe. But uh, I mean, the guy put out last year four four point per passing touchdown. He finished ninth. Six point. He finished eleventh. You know, that's that's his knock is he can't pass. He can't pass. He can't pass. But if you look here, I mean, Davis Mills sixty six point eight completion percentage. Jalen Hurts, 61.3. It's not great, but he had more yards than uh, Davis Mills. Um, same amount of touchdown per interception ratio. What I mean, what do you think? They're getting in weapons in A.J. Brown. They got Devonta Smith. Still got Dallas Goddard. Who, who are you taking? Yeah, I mean, this, this is it for, for Jalen Hurts. Um, he's got a great offensive line in front of him. Like you said, the Eagles are giving him weapons. Um, his passing isn't great. He put up a few stinkers last year, but his fantasy value is really um, inflated by his rushing ability. And there were several games last year where he rushed for 70, 80 yards and routinely find the end zone. So that was kind of keeping his value afloat as a borderline top 10 fantasy quarterback. Um, I would definitely rather have him than Mills um, as much as I'm not a Jalen Hurst fan for fantasy personally. But Jalen Hurts has that unique two-way rushing ability that not a lot of other quarterbacks besides, you know, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, yeah, those guys have. Um, he's got the weapons in front of him with Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. He's got, you know, an elite offensive line protecting him up front, which is what you like to see if you're an Eagles fan and what if you're Jalen Hurts because you want that protection to give him time to throw the ball. Um, so this – the pieces are all there. It's just a matter if he can, you know, put it together and improve his passing stats. Because we know what he can do on the ground running the football. It's just a matter if he can improve things when he's throwing it. Yeah, he almost had 800, 810 on the ground. So, it's, it's this is another one where, I mean, if he doesn't put up, are they looking to replace him next year? Right, and I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, yeah. I'd, like the, the Eagles were a playoff team last year, you know, and I think that that's kind of the plateau for them. 
Um, because I think they're going to be, you know, and they're going to be too good to be good enough to get one of the premier quarterbacks next year. Because mm-hmm. I think they're going to end up being a middle-of-the-pack team, and they're going to be, like, at pick 16, pick 17. And that, I, that's simply not going to be enough because that next year is going to be a lot of good quarterbacks going early. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to going to be what I think saves them for sure. Um, is they're going to be too good to get one of those upper echelon uh, type quarterbacks uh, coming out of the draft. But uh, you know, I've I've always been a Jalen Hurts supporter. Um, last year, I actually got into a bunch of. Uh, debates on um the dynasty nerds uh facebook page about him um about how his first nine games or whatever i did i can't remember um he was on, actually on pace with some of the better better type uh better quarterbacks out in, out there in the league through their first nine games um but you know coming coming from uh a, f- a fantasy standpoint here i mean I'm looking at Kyler Murray's stats right now. He obviously has a lot better completion percentage, so it's 60, 61.3 for Hertz, 69.2 last year for Murray. But, I mean, Murray only had another, like, 500 passing yards and eight passing TDs. So... It's it's not it's not something where I think he has to like go out there and just be legit because that rushing upside is going to carry him in fantasy. Um, I honestly think that if he gets him back to the playoffs, I think that this is Jalen Hurts' team going forward. Yeah, that'll be enough if he can get them there himself and not be carried by other aspects of his team. Absolutely, it'd be it'd be nice to see the running game get a little bit better because you've seen Miles Sanders and what everybody thinks he can do, but he's kind of been a bust since he came in the league. He hasn't been, he hasn't been what people expected. I don't think. That's so, why I was hoping there'd be more Kenneth Gainwell time. He's a guy I was yeah. going to keep an eye on coming into this year. Yeah. At, at any rate, you are correct. They, that's something they need to work on because anytime they need to get some yards on the ground, it can't be, you know, Jalen Hurts scrambling. Yeah. I think the AJ Brown signing is going to be huge for him too. I mean, or trade. He's, I mean, AJ Brown is a difference maker at uh, at wide receiver. Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. You can't. I mean, who do you who do you stop in this offense? AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, or Dallas Goddard? Yeah, I mean, who do you? It's, it's going to be you know on paper. It's going to be pick your poison every week yeah. about who you're going to stop because if you stop one of them or somehow you're lucky enough to stop two of them, that third one's just going to go off and you know eat you alive. So yeah. For sure. So let's go and move on here. Let's go to our running backs here. Cordero Patterson. The guy was nothing until last season. 31 years old. Um, the Falcons spent, what, a fifth-round pick on Tyler Algier? So they're pretty much saying, Cordero Patterson, this is your backfield again, I, I think. Um, do you think that – He's going to be something again. Do you think he can sustain it for a couple of years? I mean, 31 years old is is old for a running back, but at the same time, he doesn't have the same type of body wear and tear that a running back has. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have any like the same mileage concerns as some of the other running backs, but he is still on the older side, and I think this is kind of a unique situation for him in Atlanta, whereas he may not get that same type of opportunity on another team because he had to wait out the market for a long time before re-upping with Atlanta on a small one-year deal. Yeah. So it kind of, I felt like that kind of showed that the interest just wasn't there from other teams to use him in the same type of way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this spells good news, at least for one more year for Cordero Patterson in fantasy, where he can kind of be using that same hybrid role, but also getting that large chunk of carries. And he got most of those red zone opportunities last year on the ground as well. And now, you know, over my over free agent signing Mike Davis, and that kind of showed how the Falcons viewed it. And so I think this year's going to be a little bit of a repeat. Yeah, this is another one where I mean, if the Falcons don't go quarterback next year with one of those top picks, is there a running back out there? I haven't looked at the college next year's uh, college 
draft class here, but uh, seeing Bijan Robinson on this team would be kind of a lecture. Yeah, do they go there with that first pick next year? I mean, conventional wisdom says don't take a running back with a top five pick, but oh yeah, but I mean like trade back. Oh well, yeah, like a absolutely, Absol- yeah. absolutely, without question. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I mean. They're running, they have so many needs, so many holes on this team. I mean, they're 27th in the offensive line. Their quarterback is a mess. They could use another receiver or two. They, they need tons tons of help. So who knows where they'll go. But I think if Patterson shows out again, they may they may try to ride him one more year after this. To uh, Since, like I said, they have so many needs elsewhere. So Yeah, it should be interesting. Tony Pollard, um, 25 years old. He, he broke out last year. I mean, he's he's still the backup to Zeke, but it's becoming more of a 50-50 split um, in Dallas. Zeke's getting old. He's, he's starting to get a little bit injury-prone-ish. I want to say he's injury-prone because he's only had like one or two injuries his entire career. But he's behind the first-ranked offensive line. Um do you think Tony Pollard continues to take more from Zeke, or is this still Zeke's backfield? I think he should be taking more from Zeke, but as to whether or not he actually does is a different question. I mean, last year we basically saw, you know, a 50-50 split in essence. You know, it felt like that for every two carries Zeke got, Pollard would get two right after him, and, you know, vice versa. And Tony Pollard has a lot more of a unique, you know, different skill set. Tony Pollard's been using the return game. We know Tony Pollard's very shifty. He can be used as, you know, as a first, second down back. And he's a very adept pass catcher. He got, I believe he got more of the pass catching back opportunities in that Dallas offense last year than Zeke ever did. And Zeke's getting up to that age at, at running back where he started to get a little concerned about the wear and tear on the body because he led the league and, you know, touches for the first couple of seasons, if I'm not mistaken, at running back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that puts a lot of wear and simply, you know, you know, we say it over and over again, but it's true wear and tear on the body. Mm-hmm. And you can only last so long after that. And, you know, some of the inefficiencies for Zeke Elliott would begin to show up last year. Not as many yards per carry, um, you know, despite having, you know, a relatively strong offensive line, um, not as many touchdowns. So I think the cracks in the armor were beginning to show. And I think this is Tony Pollard's opportunity to step in. And honestly, I think at this point he should be the starter in Dallas because it would make them a better team. Yeah. Do you think he has standalone value? Um, or Without question. More of a, Without question. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think so too. I mean, Pollard is – honestly, at this point, Zeke is, Zeke is starting to starting to collapse. I think that uh, – Definitely use Pollard more to keep Zeke fresh so that whenever it comes time and you need him, Zeke is Zeke has fresh legs and because let's face it, I mean, they're gonna be a they're gonna be a playoff team. Their division is not great right now. Nope. Uh, yeah, they can they can use Zeke for that play. one playoff game they lose. Exactly. So they're only they're really their only competition right now in division is Philadelphia. Um Washington still I think a ways away, and then New York is starting to get there, but I think that there's still probably a year or two out. Um, but do you think that losing Lyle Collins uh, is gonna is gonna kill this offensive line? I mean, they drafted Tyler Smith in the first round to replace him, but yeah, and obviously drafting Tyler Smith is gonna help fill the void a little quicker than maybe with some you know interim him in free agent, but it's going to take him some time as a rookie to adjust to the NFL level competition and throwing him right into the fire. Obviously, you know, that could be a good, that could be like a, you get like a Tristan Wirth situation where he excels right away, or you could get maybe something like a Jedrick Wills where he tends to struggle a little bit. So, you know, it's kind of a a wait and see approach, but obviously Lyle Collins is a proven start at right tackle, you know, still can't believe they cut him, but obviously they have to because of the cap. Um, it's not – offensive line is not going to be as good, but it's still going to be good because um, unless, I'm, unless I'm mistaken, you know, Tyron Smith is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Martin is still there. Yep. 
they had um they just got a they, I think they just got a center too, didn't they? Oh, uh, Tyler, they got Tyler Biedish last year. Yeah, yep, yep. And he started to show things at the end of last year. So they have some, you know, proven high-end commodities at the, on the offensive line. So, mm-hmm. And right tackle is the less important tackle position because, you know, you have Tyner Smith protecting the blind side for Dak Prescott, so that's the, easily the more important side. Yeah. But um, it certainly doesn't help losing Lyle Collins. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. For sure. You know, I mean, like you said, 26 years old is the kind of uh, running back uh, fall-off age. So, unless you're a special back, do you, I mean, do you think Zeke is that kind of special back? Or I am. Uh, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, that time back? I don't I mean, like the only back I could I could think of that's like that kind of special right now, like in the league, is maybe Derrick Henry because he's, yeah. you know, before he went on the shelf last year, he was having a special year at age twenty eight. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know he's, he's kind of unique in his own way. There aren't a lot of backs like that. Yeah. The, re- the rest of these, you know, two way dynamic talents, they're either derailed by injury or old age. I mean, we're seeing that with being able to say Kwan, he hasn't been able to say healthy. Zeke, you know, he's kind of coming off the rails a little bit. Kamara's yeah. getting up there in age. We don't know what he's going to be like next year. McCaffrey yeah. keeps getting hit by the injury bug, you know. Injury pro seems to be, uh, you know, a term thrown around a lot. But, it, you know, in truth, it really does apply to a lot of these players at that, you know, premium fantasy position. Yeah. We forget, too, that they added that 17th game, so – that's right. So that's going to be, you know, they're going to be even more careful how they manage, you know, the game loads for some of these players. You know, depending on if the games at the end of the season matter too much or not, you could be seeing players getting less of a workload or no workload at all. Like yeah, if you're a playoff team and you have a buy clinch, like we could have a Tony Pollard game in week 17, week 18, or whatever, whenever it is, you know, yep. if they want to give Zeke some time off. Yep. So. All right, moving on here, AJ Dillon. Um, he's, he's, Starting, I think he had the most carries last year on the team. Um, only 24 years old. Do you think that uh, AJ Dillon takes over as the primary rusher? Because I believe Green Bay's passing weapons are not all that great this year. Um, so Aaron Jones... Does he get used more as a receiver? And AJ Dillon is now the primary rusher. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree with that statement. The Packers have already said that they want to use Aaron Jones more as a receiver. You know, with it being you know kind of Christian Watt and Alan Lazard and the whatever show. Um, and Aaron Jones is a proven pass catching back. He actually had a pretty good. I remember reading a stat saying like he had the best you know route separation or something like that besides Devontae Adams and the Packers last year. Yeah which is pretty insane for a running back. So, you know, he's got the chops there. Plus, he's older, so that lightens his load a bit in the running game where he doesn't have to do as much there, take, take a pounding. So, and A.J. Dillon's, you know, the perfect bruising back on first and second down to kind of come in and, and you know, soak up some yardage. So, this is going to be a good situation for him. And plus, A.J. Dillon, AJ Dillon's, you know, a very confident pass catching back in his own right, too. Yeah, 37 we targets. Saw that, we saw that last year on, on numerous occasions. And so, he yeah. can do that as well if the need ever arises. If, like, if Aaron Jones got hurt, if you have A.J. Dillon, you could plug him into your lineup as an RB1 week after week. It's all oh, yeah. Jones, without question. If and Aaron I think Jones, there could be some sneaky standalone value because A.J. Dillon is going to be that goal line back. Yeah. As if Aaron Jones is hurt, you're looking at a top – you might be looking at a top five back. Yeah, in, in, in theory, yeah, I, I hard to argue with that. I mean, he's gonna. He's he's massive. First of all, he's like two hundred forty-four pounds or something like that. So he, he's gonna be used on the goal line. Hopefully, the Packers. I would. I would. I would bet bet that they're gonna get to the end zone more often than not because they still have one of the best quarterbacks ever play the game in Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, I mean, I think AJ Dillon has a lot of standalone value. Um, I think that he's. I would even go as far as saying he's probably a top to mid second uh, number two running back right now. I would take him. I think he's I think he's in for a huge year. I think Garen Jones steps aside more in the rushing game and goes to the receiving role. So I think there's a lot of time where you might see both backs on the field at the same time. Oh, easily. There's going to be a lot of times where they have Aaron Jones split out wide. 
mm-hmm. and they'll have AJ Dillon in the backfield. That that's a, that's a guarantee. Yep. So, moving on to our wide receivers, Gabriel Davis, the playoff star um, in the AFC Championship game, um, put up decent numbers uh, during the season. But that game, I mean, 10 targets, 8 receptions, 201 yards, and 4 receiving touchdowns. Um, he's only 23 years old. He's going to be this number two receiver on the team. Do you think uh, Do you think he's legit, or is it kind of just a one-game wonder last year of being a star? That's the big question, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm a little skeptical right now. Um, so I actually don't really own any Gabriel Davis shares in fantasy because of that, you know, because I, I kind of want to see if he's going to live up to, I guess, the hype per se in the first few weeks of the season. Um, having Josh Allen, a quarterback, is certainly more help, more of a help than a harm, obviously. Um, having someone like that throwing into football should, you know, lead to success. But until I see it in, you know, a relatively consistent pattern, you know, over a few weeks – it's kind of hard to believe that he's going to be, you know, this, you know, wide receiver two for fantasy. So I'm kind of just on a wait and see approach with him right now. You know, last year at the beginning of the season, I wrote a vote. I wrote a uh, article on our website. Go get Gabriel Davis. Go get Gabriel Davis. Go get Gabriel Davis. Um, he's he's one of Josh Allen's favorite red zone targets. And he's on a great offense to be a favorite red zone off uh, target. Um, So he had 17 last year. He had 10 the year before. I mean, I I think that you're looking at a star in the making. I've I've been a big Gabriel Davis truther. Uh, Since really his rookie year, whenever he showed out with, I think he had like seven touchdowns. He only had like 21 catches for 300 some odd yards or something like that, but he had like six or seven touchdowns. Um, so I, I think, I think the guy's a stud. I think that you could be looking at the next uh, breakout wide receiver in the league. Um, but there's always that, uh, that chance that, you know, Jamison Crowder is, is their number two because he's the, he's the veteran uh, guy out there. Um, Stefan Diggs didn't really have a great year last year. So does Diggs take more of a, I mean, he had a, he had a good year, but he wasn't like, didn't ever have any of those like breakout huge, huge week, uh, performances. Um, I want to, I want to say, I want to say Gabriel Davis is, is the next breakout and everything. And I, I believe it, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions about it. Uh, like you said, not to mention he was hurt last year, I believe, at the beginning of the season. So, and I actually think he actually got hurt in his rookie year, also. So, can he stay on the field for right. a seventeen game season? I mean, the big question. Yeah. So, I would I would definitely go out and get him. Still, I think that uh, I would probably take him over. All but probably, I want to say four probably of the rookie wide receivers coming into the league. So definitely go out and get him, but just know that you'll probably have some some question marks whenever it comes to uh, if he's going to be that star or not. So moving on, Darnell Mooney. Um, great year last year, 140 targets had a ton of work. Ton of work in that Bears offense. Um, 24 years old, finished 23rd in PPR, 22nd in standard. His touchdown uh, mark was not very high with only four, but is that what he's going to be in this Bears offense? Or the, I mean, they don't reach the end zone a whole lot with uh, the, the young quarterback, lack of talent elsewhere. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, this is a tough situation to evaluate because I love Darnell Mooney. Uh, I want—he's one of my favorite players in the league. I want him to succeed. 
But I'm also afraid he's turning into the next Allen Robinson, where he's going to put up a lot of good numbers on a bad team, but he's not going to reach the end zone as much as he liked. No. Um, now, I'll, on paper, Donna Mooney is the unquestioned alpha in this offense that doesn't have a lot else besides, I guess, I and Cole Komet, like I stated earlier. So he should have the tools to succeed, and it's also going to depend on a second-year leap from Justin Fields. You know, what can Justin Fields do to elevate the Bears' offense? And that is really going to affect what Darnell Mooney does a lot. Yeah, it's funny you say Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson only hit the double-digit uh, touchdown mark once in his career. Um, exactly. Jacksonville Jaguars. So hopefully uh, hopefully he doesn't turn into that. I mean – I'm hoping that with a new coaching staff in place, things will change a little bit because the the previous Bears regimes were just downright brutal. Yeah. And didn't know how to do anything offensively. Looking at you, Matt Nagy. Yeah. I'm hoping – I think Justin Fields is probably better than anything that Allen Robinson had previous to what he has now. I mean, Jay Cutler, Blake Bortles, they're, they're nothing really. So – Hopefully, Justin Fields can take that step up. Like we said previously, there's not really a whole lot there other than Darnell Mooney. You can say Cole Komet, but he still hasn't been really anything in this league. Everybody thinks he's the next breakout tight end, but he's got to prove it still. Um, So, Darnell Mooney's still going to get 130-plus targets this year. Um, They're going to be playing from behind quite a bit. Um, they got a good running game in um, David Montgomery, but my only concern with Mooney is, I guess, two concerns is will Justin Fields take the next step and will Mooney get enough touchdowns to sustain top 24 value. Um, so we'll go move on here. Hunter Renfro, um, 26 years old. He had a great year last year, finished 10th in PPR, 13th in standard, but they brought in Devontae Adams, who is far and away better than Hunter Renfro. He's going to take a lot of work away from Hunter Renfro, plus Darren Waller comes back. Do you think Hunter? Do you think uh, Renfro can sustain what he did last year? Renfro's production last year was also a result of Darren Waller being out for a section of games. Yep. Um, so with that, with that factored in, it kind of shows that Derek Carr wants to focus most of his attention on one weapon as opposed to being able to sustain both at the same time. And that kind of leads me to believe that next year, you know, with Devontae Adams in, in Las Vegas, that's going to be the situation where Derek Carr throws the ball to Devontae Adams more than anyone else, you know, knifing by a long shot. And so Hunter Renfro is only going to be more of a complimentary guy where I think he's, you know, where last year he finished as a wide receiver one, believe it or not. I think next year he's going to be way more of just like a, a flex play, yeah. you know, because being in a potent offense like that, it's kind of like, you know, the Chiefs were like, oh, Nicole Hardman, I guess I can start him as a flex, you know, you're on the Chiefs. It's kind of going to be a little bit of the same thing, just with a little more of an upgrade in talent with Hunter Renfro, where it's like he's good. He has a chance to reach the end zone every week. He's got a Derek Carr throwing him the football with teams focusing on Devontae Adams. Maybe, maybe, he'll have, maybe he'll do something, you know, it's kind of like that. It's not like last year where it's like, oh, I know he's going to get this so I can start him every week. It's it's difficult because Renfro's their slot, right? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you're looking at Derek Carr, who's not a mobile quarterback, so instead of running, he's going to check down to his running backs. Then you got Hunter Renfro's your slot. Middle of the field targets, I would throw it to Darren Waller over Hunter Renfro. Middle of the field. I mean, I think Waller has proven that he he can be a special player in the league whenever he gets a chance to stays healthy. And then outside, you can't really – you're not going to tell me that Hunter Renfro is going to get more targets than Devonta Adams on the outside. So I think, I think Renfro might come, I mean, best – at best the third target in this offense, um, if not the fourth target in this offense. He's definitely not getting to nine TDs anymore um, because in the red zone, like I said, you're going to use all those players before you use Renfro. So he's going to take a big hit, I think, this year. 
Um, he's not somebody that I'm I'm going out and targeting. I would say if you can get rid of him, sell now because I think he this is probably his peak. <laughs> so, um, moving on here, your boy, oh, Tony. my boy, twenty three years old. I mean, he looked special, special last year in the very, very limited amount of games that he played. Um, there's been some reports of some off-field issues, though, this year. Um, he was a big trade target in the offseason, um, or trade rumors um, in the offseason about him. They drafted Wandale Robinson, which is, I mean, they spent significant draft capital in the second round on him. Um, do you think Tony one is going to be a member of the giants and two, can he, can he sustain it? Yeah. He'll be out in the giants. Obviously. Um, this is Daniel Jones, make it a breaking year and they're going to want to have all the weapons as, uh, as many weapons as possible for him to work with. So that's, you know, that's not in question, but, um, Tony for him, it's going to be about health. He had these issues at Florida. And he had those issues with the Giants last year where he just couldn't stay on the field. But when he's on the field, he's, he's a, as a dynamic a talent as some of these other, you know, electric playmakers in the league. Because he can make he can make you miss in open space, you know, probably better than almost anybody. Um, and he's got this, he's got the speed to beat you one on one on the outside. Um, obviously drafting Wandale Robinson, who I thought was kind of a, like a Kadarius Tony light, where he did a lot of the same things when he was in college. Um, but the Giants have said, you know, they're gonna there's gonna be a lot of sets where they have Robinson and Tony out there at the same time, and they're gonna be using Robinson in a lot of different places. Whereas Kadarius Tony's kind of just set as that, you know, wide receiver on the outside or in the slot. So Robinson's kind of gonna be like a uh, jack of all trades type of player, where you're gonna see him lined up all over the field. Uh, so I think he's kind of gonna be unique. Whereas Tony's gonna be in his own set spot, and we're gonna be gonna, we're gonna know what he's gonna be doing week after week. So I got a, a very surprising stat for you. Yeah, shoot. Kadarius Tony led the league last year in targets per out run. He's at uh, 0.37 targets per out run. The next relevant wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, 0.31. Wow. So – was this, I mean, did the Giants mean to do this? Or was it something that Kenny Galladay was hurt, Sterling Shepard got hurt, Saquon Barkley was out, Evan Ingram wasn't a thing? I mean, are they going to center their offense around him? I mean, Daniel Jones certainly likes throwing him the football. That's for sure. They had a, they had a nice connection going before Daniel Jones got hurt and then Kadarius Tony got hurt. No. Um. So it's he's got all the talent in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of him being able to stay on the field, and if Daniel Jones can find him again, I certainly don't see why not. In theory, teams should be focusing in on Kenny Galladay, but it might be a role reversal here where if you're game planning against the Giants and you're not worried about stopping Saquon Barkley, you're probably going to have to worry about stopping Kadarius Tony because he's easily the most dynamic piece on that offense. He reminds me, I mean. This may be a stretch, but he reminds me of Odell Beckham. Um, I mean, oh, I mean a little bit. Know. When I saw him last year, I was kind of like 2014 Odell Beckham flash. Yeah, just making people lose. Because Odell came right into the league and made an impact, you know. Man, and Odell know. suffered with injuries in his rookie year too. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping mm-hmm. for you know that second year elite breakout type season from Kadarius Tony, similar to what you saw from Odell. Yeah, I mean, it's just he's on the Giants. They had, I mean. Odell didn't really have off-the-field issues. It was more the on-the-field issues with the – I want targets and stuff like that. Um, but just the way that they play, they, they both make people just look stupid. It's also, so, you know, the level of talent at quarterback, I suppose, too, because Odell did have, you know, Eli Manning, you know, yeah, still kind, of, kind of towards the end of his prime where Eli was still good at throwing the football. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, now you have Daniel Jones, who obviously isn't – isn't an Eli Manning, even though the Giants wanted him to be. Yeah. For sure. Really interesting. I have high hopes for Kadarius Tony this year, but whether he yeah. was up to them or not is a different story. Yeah. 
Tight ends, Dawson Knox. Um, he, he balled out last year for uh, the Bills. 11th in PPR, 6th in standard. Um, nine receiving touchdowns. Do you think that's sustainable for him? They did bring in O.J. Howard um, for competition. but Right. So I want to say yes, but I also feel like he's due for a little bit of a least touchdown regression. Mm-hmm. Because that's a really high number for a tight end, and that's not something you typically see. You know, I guess unless you're maybe Travis Kelsey or or Gronk, because where you love to throw to Gronk in the end zone. But um, we're adding O.J. Howard, you know, who's a competent tight end. And with other guys, like we talked about Gabriel Davis before, Stephon Stephon Diggs. um, Got those running backs as well now with the addition of James Cook. So there's a lot of mouths to feed, and you can't always be going to the same guy in the red zone. Now, that yep. being said, I do think Dawson Knox is going to be good for at least five touchdowns this year, maybe even a couple more, but I don't think he's going to be, you know, trying to get in close to the digit area like we saw this past year with nine. I agree. I uh, said previously, I think Gabriel Davis is the next breakout star wide receiver. I think that uh, this comes at the expense of Dawson Knox. I think that it definitely will hurt Dawson Knox. Um Definite, definite touchdown regression coming, like you said. Um, and honestly, I mean, O.J. Howard was was a big draft pick. Um, he was a first-round draft pick. I think that he's got all the talent in the world. It just didn't click. So who knows what uh, what might happen whenever Howard, uh, if, if it does click for him. So moving on, Dalton Schultz. Um, broke out last year, 104 targets, uh, third in PPR and third in standard. Um, do you think this is just sustainable? He was second on the team to, uh, tied with Zeke, um, for red zone targets, but Amari Cooper was first, but he's no longer on this team. So what do you think? Well, the paraphrase Chris Collinsworth. Now here's a guy, um, <laughs> this is a guy who I do think has, the potential to kind of live up to his breakout season and repeat, if not be better. Amari Cooper is gone. Um, I think he's getting much more of a timeshare between Pollard and Zeke. Uh, we have UFC Lamb. Um, Michael Gallup is back, obviously, and they drafted Jalen Tolbert. But I still think yeah, I think Dalton Schultz is the number two target in that offense behind C.D. Lamb. He and uh, Dak have that connection. Dalton Schultz was used regularly as that safety blanket last year, and I think he's going to see a little bit of that same role this year. Um, you know, with Jalen Tolbert, especially, take, you know, despite the fact that he's a third-round pick, he's going to take some time to adjust in the NFL. He's not primary on the depth chart, so I don't think he's a threat. Um, I think Gallup's a little too inconsistent for my liking to be a weekly threat day in and day, you know, week in, week out, excuse me. So I think that, you know, the only real trustworthy, you know, not counting the running backs besides CeeDee Lamb is Dalton Schultz. And having a really good quarterback and Dak Prescott throwing in football, you know, like a lot of these other teams in the league, is only going to help you rather than hurt you. Yeah, I agree. I think Schultz is uh, number two. The only thing that scares me is did all of his success come at the the expense of uh, Michael Gallup getting hurt last year? Um, didn't Gallup get hurt early? Yeah, but again, you're swapping out Amari Cooper and you're swapping in a healthy Michael Gallup, so there's still a target. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, that is true. The departure of targets, so I think it's yeah. all going to balance out. That's true. I agree, though. Dalton Schultz is definitely has uh, a lot of potential to continue his success. So. Another one of your boys, Ricky Seals Jones. Um, All right. I don't know if he's a boy. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't really anything until um, drawing a blank on uh, Logan Thomas. Washington. Yeah, Logan Thomas. Um, but whenever he stepped in, he was actually pretty decent for them. Um, they did draft Daniel Bellinger, um, but he did have twelve. Red zone targets last year, um, which would have led the Giants. Do you think that uh, that happens this year? Or like you said earlier with Kadarius Tony, there's a lot of mouths to feed. So I would like to make a – I'm going to make a guarantee, and I'm not going to do this very often, Dylan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guarantee that Ricky Seals-Jones is not fantasy relevant at all in the 2022 season. Okay. 
the, uh, routinely in training camp, Ricky Seals-Jones was working with the third-team offense. And rookie Daniel Bellinger was working with the first team, getting the most first team reps working with the starters. Because Daniel Bellinger was, you know, he never, he didn't have a drop at San Diego State last year. He has sure hands. He's a much more capable blocker. He kind of do, you know, just a little bit of everything, nothing special, but very competent. And he was making some incredible catches in camp. And he would, he didn't have a single drop in camp either. But Ricky Seals Jones was having some drop issues, wasn't being consistent. So he wasn't seeing as much time with the starters in camp as Daniel Bellinger was. And the Giants also signed Jordan Akins, and Jordan Akins was ahead of him in the depth chart working with the second wow. team. So while and I think Ricky Steelers-Jones is going to see some time, you know, as a kind of a proven vet, he's not going to be in anything in fantasy at all. If the, if the Giants produce anything fantasy relevant from tight end, it's going to be from Daniel Bellinger. There you go. Insider information from uh, from Charlie there. <laughs> um, wow, that, that's good. I did not know that. Um, I was thinking Ricky Steelers-Jones was probably going to be the number one. But it'll be good to see uh, Daniel Bellinger out there, get the fresh face, see what see what he can do. So, last tight end here and last person we're going to talk about, C.J. Uzama. Um, he was actually really good for the uh, Bengals last year. Um, was that just a Joe Burrow thing, or can Zach Wilson sustain some of that? Um, he has some he has some competition with Tyler Conklin and rookie. Jeremy Rucker. Right. I think we're kind of looking at a split at tight end here with three guys who, you know, are all very capable in their own right of producing at tight end. So you're kind of going to, excuse me, see them all take away from each other. One, Not one guy is going to stand out every week out where each week could easily be a different tight end. And with a lot of other weapons in this Jets offense now with Brees Hall, with Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Wilson is going to have a lot of mouths to feed. I think tight end is going to be a position that kind of gets neglected a little bit. I agree. This this team now runs around uh, its two young wide receivers and young two young running backs. So um, the one place that I could see Uzama uh, standing out is the red zone, though. I think that uh, he could be in for a five to seven touchdown season, uh, but. I don't even know if he tops the 400 yard mark. Um, so I don't, I don't think that he's really anybody to target. I think that he could be a decent uh, bi-week replacement for your team, but other than that, nothing. So, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our favorite segment here. Our, uh, what the hell, what the hell were we thinking here in our trades? Uh, trade number one, 12 team super flex, uh, receives, Cortland Sutton, Isaiah Spiller, Ty Davis Price, and a 2023 third for Damian Harris, Jacoby Myers, Darnell Mooney, and a 2023 second. Hmm. This was actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, I'm I not agree. really. This is actually, you know, close to fair, I think. Yeah. Um, I say Cortland Sutton is the best player in this trade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and especially with Jerry Judy likely being out for a little while with his. Uh, I think there's a suspension, probably a suspension coming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two intriguing flyers and, you know, Tyrion Davis Spiller, especially Davis Price with, you know, San Francisco. Um, but then on the other side, um, you go a little younger. Um, you got Damian Harris, who I guess can be kind of like a flex guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got Darnell Mooney, obviously, who can be a wide receiver too. And getting a, a decent draft pick 2023 second and what it should be a pretty good class next year. I think this trade is pretty well balanced. I don't have too many qualms with it because each side clearly had their own aspect to why they wanted to do it. Sutton side, I think, is trying to win now, and the Mooney side is trying to get a little younger and recoup some draft capital. So I got mm-hmm. no, I got no beef with that. I agree. I think that Sutton and Mooney kind of cancel each other out. Um, you do Damian Harris, really, Damian Harris for Isaiah Spiller and Ty Davis Price. I think, possibly. Um, Jacoby Myers for that third, and then I think that uh, you're getting a second uh, for free, really. I, I think that it had been a little bit more even with uh, not giving up that second, but we'll see. Uh, I think it's a good trade, though, either way. So if I had to choose, I would go with uh, – I think I'd probably choose the Sutton side. I think um, I would probably choose the Mooney Harris side, but that's just me. 
I just think, uh, I mean, Isaiah Spiller was one of the higher um, projected draft spots until it actually happened. Um, And if Austin Eckler, who's 30, ends up getting hurt, I think Isaiah Spiller could could be big. So... I would take the setting side. You take the money side. So it's it's a wash here. Trade two. Superflex is other QBs are Tannehill and Mariota. Receives Zach Wilson, a 2023 third and a 2023 second for Trey Lance. Hmm. I know everyone's like hyping, hyping up Trey Lance a lot for Dynasty mm-hmm. because, you know, the, t- the potential is certainly tantalizing, but Zach Wilson also improved a lot this offseason with the talent that Jesse put around him. Yeah. And, you know, So being able to get him and two picks for Trey Lance, I think is pretty good value. It's not lopsided, but I would definitely take the Wilson side. I would take the Wilson side too, I think. The only thing that scares me is there's a report that Zach Wilson, I mean, the very first report of the uh, camp was Zach Wilson is still struggling with his accuracy. Now it's the first report of camp, so he's still trying to learn Garrett Wilson. He's still trying to learn Brees Hall. He's still trying to he's even still trying to learn Elijah Moore. Um, so give him some time, but I think uh, I don't think that the fall off is that far from Zach Wilson to Trey Lance. Um, and then you're getting, like you said, two picks in a very good projected draft class next year. So I would take Zach Wilson's side for sure. Our last trade here. This is my favorite one. Oh, whoa! There was no. Do uh, mind? I see a twenty twenty five draft pick. <laughs> yep. There was no uh, details on what kind of league this is, but I don't think it really matters. George Kittle and Rashad Penny for Mike Gesicki, Darnell Mooney, Jahad Dotson, twenty twenty three third or twenty twenty three second, twenty twenty four third, twenty twenty five third. 2024 second, 2024 third, and 2023 second. We got. I, I mean, really, it's I, all that for Kittle, in my opinion. That's a lot of, a lot of picks. Yeah. That I feel like that's just taking you know a bunch of dart throws and kind of hoping a few of them stick. Yeah. But I mean, Dotson, first round pick, just drafted. He's been he's been apparently he's been a highlight reel in training camp for Washington, so he's looking mm-hmm. good. We know we've talked about Mooney already. We know what his deal is, and Gesicki's a, a capable tight end, but he's obviously no Kittle. Um, yeah. I think it all kind of equals out a little bit, if not a little more, towards the pick side. I know it's a, I know it's a lot of you know mid to later picks, but getting that many increases your chances of having at least one or two of them hit. Mm-hmm. And the fact that three of them are second rounders is nice because some of those could end up towards the beginning of the second round, depending on whether or not your draft does snake or not. Um, so I think there's certainly some value to that. And obviously you're getting some very quality players in, you know, Gesicki, Mooney, and Dotson. So I think this is obviously more of a kind of slight rebuilding move, getting some younger guys and kind of, you know, spreading out your talent as opposed to consolidating with a guy like Kittle who, we know when healthy is a top five tight end. So I would take the uh the, the pick side with the with those other three guys. I would too. I think that uh Mooney and the two twenty three twenty twenty three seconds. Um probably equal Kittle. Maybe add that twenty four second. Um and then Gesicki, Dotson and all the rest of the picks are greater than Dark Penny. Which I honestly don't think Penny is going to be a thing. I think that they drafted Kenneth Walker to take over that backfield. So I would I would take the uh, the pick side by a lot. Actually, I think for I, sure. I mean, George Kittle is definitely the best player in this deal, but you're getting a lot for for him. So, but that's all I got. Um, so the trades weren't horrible this time i'll try to i'll try to get one of the uh, i was gonna say i was waiting for that other shooter drop meaning i was waiting for that bombshell trade where i was like oh enough. my god you know I, I wanted to say the slogan like what the hell is this guy thinking yeah, uh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> i was thinking you know, it'll be better next week with nick here so we can we can kind of react at that yeah exactly exactly i was thinking this one would but then looking at it i'm like well this, that's not horrible i guess so, yeah like it's not it's not collusion worthy you know yeah, 
there's one on there that I should have put on here. Uh, that was death from inclusion. So it was like all backups for all legit stars. Uh, save, save that one for next week. Then. Save that for yeah. next week. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, guys. Um, well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys are paying attention to our site. We got some good stuff coming up. Uh, our staff article this week is, um, what is it again? Um, Hang on, sorry guys. <laughs> Our bounce back players for this year. Um, so definitely tune into that. There's some good good information uh, on there. So I hope you guys have a good week and uh, stay safe. The back is not far fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up, I'm a head back, back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, go.